Thank you for the the honor, the respect, and thank everyone for the seed that you just sowed. I receive it in Jesus' name. I say the seed's in the ground now. And I'm believing with you for a quick and a multiplied harvest. Hallelujah. More than enough. More than enough. I like that. I like that. Well, not too long ago... uh, this there wasn't a church here, and then this this looks feels like a real church, real, real deal. Anybody happy that you got a church home here, church family? What a blessing of the Lord! What a blessing of the Lord! What what gifts have been given? Um. Uh, the, the last few moments, the Lord just kept quickening to me, if you'd remain standing just a moment, about the anointing. The anointing of the things that uh, your pastor was talking about have to do with what the anointing produces. And it is so astounding and amazing what the anointing can do. It's the anointing that teaches, First John says. And it's different than many people have thought, especially in the folks in the world don't understand it. Uh, these times in the Word are not just intellectual. They're not just, you know, learning from another person. They're not just, uh, it's in the environment of the anointing, in His presence, in His light, you see light. In his presence, you know things you didn't know. You see things. You, you understand things you didn't know. And that was not another person, human being, that revealed that to you. That was the Holy Spirit. And in that same presence, you can realize you don't hurt anymore in your body. You can realize that the pain in your emotions is gone. In that same uh, presence, that same anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You get answers to questions. You get direction. And you just know. You have an unction of the Holy One. And you know all things that you need to know. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for the anointing. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful Blessed Holy Spirit, thank you for the holy anointing. Sit out loud, teach us, Lord. Reveal to us. Add to us. We receive in Jesus' name. Lord, I know uh, the church has prayed, we've prayed, but everybody that's here right now, we come into agreement about this, receiving right now utterance and anointing and answers and help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. It's it's the anointing. You, You can be seated. Thanks, guys. Uh, can we move this down here? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try out this new platform. We can break it in. Thank you, Lord. You can see me okay down here. Yep, yep. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Would you turn in the scriptures to Ephesians 
the fourth chapter. How much time you got tonight? You, you're in a big, big, big rush? Or one great thing is that we, uh, the plans are to come back tomorrow. And then come back after that. So we don't have to try to do it all tonight. Can't anyway. I got lots of notes and what have you, but um, that's not the big thing. Big thing is being led by the Spirit and getting the right thing for right now. And the reason I keep talking about it is you're, you're believing with me, right? You don't want to look too much at me. You'll limit me. But if you and I are looking strong at the anointing, we won't be disappointed. We're, we're depending on, on Him. Somebody said out loud, I'll get some good things. I'll get some answers from Him. I'll, you know who Him is, right? Him, the Lord. Him, the Holy Spirit. In praying about uh, our part for this meeting and and what's going on right now, I uh, was impressed with this passage of Scripture. Didn't plan on it until uh, today. And uh, I'm excited, though, about it. It's, uh, man, when the Lord puts His finger on something, and He says, this is the word for now, then... You can't do better. Right? (laughs) And that's not something that men or women came up with. That's that's him. And it just does. I know I'm continuing to talk about it. But it just. The anointing. Uh, We're more uh, familiar when you talk about miracles. To talk about physical things. Like healings. Or even a financial miracle. And those are God does those, and those are wonderful. A lot of the biggest miracles, though, happen where you can't see. They happen inside in the hearts of individuals. You can be sitting right beside somebody in a service just like that, or on a Sunday morning with your pastors, and and, um, not know it. But the anointing was there... And a revelation and a word and an impartation came. And you didn't even know it on the outside, but something changed inside that person. And the adjustment will set them on on a different trajectory. And their responses to life's issues will be different. Next week, next month, next year. And they... They have become a different person, a better person, a greater person. They are going, uh, as was referred to, from glory to glory, becoming more like the Lord. And you, you can't put a price on those kind of things. You, you just can't begin to, to understand their value because that continues on past this life. Are these, these kind of things happening Tonight, in these meetings, in in this church, somebody say, so be it. You know what uh, uh, Mary said when the angel brought that word from heaven? What did she say? Be it unto me according to your word, Lord. 
and the word literally became flesh. <laughs> literally. She, re- she relieved it. She received it. And that's how she did it. Believing in your heart and saying with, with the mouth. She said, be it unto me. See, uh, earlier, Zachariah didn't do that. He said, how will I know this? You remember that? That's way different from be it unto me. (laughs) So uh, everybody said out loud, be it unto me. According to your word, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter... And uh, I'll give you an assignment this week, a reading assignment. Uh, Make make time and read this chapter three times before uh, we see you again tomorrow night. How about that? That's not a big assignment. So don't rush through it. Read it carefully. And before you read it, ask the Lord to open your eyes to see some things from it. In Ephesians 4, he's talking about so many wonderful things. And he gets down to verse 7. He says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Who has grace gifts inside them? Every one of us. Now the us he's talking about is the church. This was written to the church. The saints church at Ephesus. So you have grace gifts in you. Even if you've never identified them. Or never begun to develop in them. They're there. Some things are placed there before you were born. Others uh, are placed there when you're born again. Others are placed there, uh, can be, when you're filled with the Spirit. Others can be placed there at different uh, special junctures of your life. But they are gifts of God. And His gifts and callings are, are without repentance. They don't change. But again, they don't develop automatically either. There are, well, there are people who were born with graces to benefit the church and kingdom who never even get saved. And they use them to perform or in business or in something else. These, some of these things can be abused. They can be misused. But that's not why God gave them to you. He gave them to you to be a blessing. To help further His kingdom somehow. To help benefit His people. Are you up for that? Keep keep going. It said, uh, when... He ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Verse 11 says, he gave some, and these are the gifts he's talking about. He he was talking about grace gifts. Now he's talking about ministry gifts. 
And he said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He mentions the giving of the gifts, then he tells why the gifts were given. And I know from some small experience, this is not understood well. And what we're talking about here is why are there ministries? And why are there churches? It's all right here in this passage. And it is rich. And even if you know some things about this or if you've heard this before, don't listen uh, these nights like you've heard it before. You're looking for things you hadn't seen. Right? Because you know nobody has exalted, excuse me, exhausted all the light and revelation from any verse of Scripture. It's living. It's alive. It's quick. It's powerful. And so we're going to see some things from these verses tonight and this week we're already seeing some things and how are you seeing them brother Keith's revealing it to you no he's not <laughs> come on y'all with me or not this, this matters this is important no man or woman can reveal truth to another man or woman they can be vessels to minister it but unless the Holy Spirit reaches inside you and turns on the light you won't, you won't get it you won't see it and so when you do you give him the credit right you give, you give him the credit it says uh, he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors the teachers for what? The perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. The, the word for is significant there because it's progressive. He gave this towards this end. And that results in this. Three components. It's progressive. And that's why the gifts were given. What are the three things? The perfecting of the saints. What else? The work of the ministry. What else? The edifying. That word, that means building up. Um, it has to do with growth. It has to do with increase. Of what? The entire body of Christ. It started with a gift. Can you see that? That developed in perfecting or completion developing, which resulted in the work of the ministry being accomplished, which resulted in or results in the building up of the entire body of Christ. Can you say amen? He went on to say, Till or until we all come in the unity of the faith. Now I know I'm talking to faith people. Yes. Uh, you know you're hearing a faith preacher. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We all faith ones. That's right. Right? Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, you, ha you have to distinguish though between faith 
and the faith. They're, they're very similar. I mean, you can't be in the faith without faith. But the faith, the, and, and in the Greek, the article is used there, the and faith appear, appears without the article. So, uh, you know, the just shall live by faith. That's not the article. But here, he's talking about the faith. And that has to do with the whole uh, of, of our belief, the whole of the revelation of redemption. It has to do with the whole of the mystery of Christ and the whole of the walk of the believer, which is... By faith. How do we live? We live by faith. We walk by faith. We overcome by faith. We please God by faith. And when you're talking about the whole thing, the revelation of Christ and the life of the Christian, that's the faith. The faith. We have embraced the faith. Hmm? We live the faith. Can you say amen? And he says that, you know, the giving of these gifts and the result, results that we just read, uh, that's to happen until we all come, we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Now he just, this is the second time he's used this word. Previously he said perfecting of the saints. Now he says a perfect man. Now you have to define that word a little bit because in our modern vernacular, we use the word perfect to refer to flawless. And that's not what this word means in, in, in the scripture here. If you look it up, the word perfect has to do with completed. It has to do with finishing to the end. And if you're talking about development of a human being, then it's growth. Not, you, don't, you don't stop where you started and you don't stall out halfway. You keep going. See, you like this already. You keep going until you have developed all the way. What does complete development look like? Jesus. The Christ. The Son of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you respect somebody and, you know, want to be like them, you know, appreciate them, but don't set them as your ultimate example. You're shooting too low. I don't care who they are, what man or woman, if it's your parents, if you pastors or, or whoever it may be, if you want to be like them and there are things you really appreciate and love about them, it's because to some degree they have become like him. But you, you try to imitate another man or woman too much, you'll wind up imitating their faults too. And they have some. <laughs> That's got, that got quiet. <laughs> Nobody you know living today is right about everything. Mm-mm, don't care who they are. That's why you need yourself a Bible. 
And that's why the Lord gave you the author of the book inside you, and you are to check out everything. I don't care how much you love them, they could make a mistake. They could do it innocently. They could do it ignorantly. So um, you want to go ahead and lift your eyes even higher. And who do you want to be just like when you grow up? Jesus. Jesus. The Christ. He's my hero. Is that right? that's, that's, That's him. Do not shoot lower. That's him. And, and I know that you and I are not operating 100% exactly like him right here tonight. Hmm? <laughs> Have you arrived already tonight at Christ-like perfection in everything that you think and say and do? Then you've got room to grow. You've got room to grow. Help your neighbor out. Turn to him and say, uh, you need to change. (laughs) And uh, turn around and help the other person on the other side. Say, say, you too, you you need to change too. Now, Now receive it and say, I know it. I know it. You know, you'll hear in today's society, people say, well, if you love me, you just have to love me just like I am. You have to accept me just like I am if you love me. No, we don't. No, we don't. We can love you without loving all your unchristlike junk. And you shouldn't accept you just the way you are. You should know, I need to grow. I need to change. Does the Bible talk about growing, developing, being perfected? That's what this is talking about. And it's the purpose of the ministry gifts and the ministries and the churches to help cause this to come to pass. Keep reading. He said, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a fully developed man. And in the scripture, uh, man refers to both male and female. God created man and out of man came male and female. So don't get hung up on that. (laughs) In Christ... There is neither male nor female. Uh, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto, do do, do you keep hearing this word, unto? See, this is this development. You, You grow from here to here to here to here. Where are we headed? Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does a fully matured, fully developed Christian look like? Well, the key is in the word Christian. Right? The root word's Christ. A Christian is a Christian. Christian. 
What's a Christian supposed to be like? Christ. The Christ. He said, if you believe on me, uh, you know, you're to walk as he walked, John said. And he said in John, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also. And greater works than these shall you do. In fact, you remember with Peter and John, after Jesus' uh, res resurrection and ascension, they saw uh, how they were preaching, what they were doing, and they took notice of them, that they had been with Jesus. Yes. Why? Because what they were saying sounded just like what Jesus said. What they were doing looked like just like what Jesus did. Why? It actually was Jesus continuing to do the same thing he did on earth through his church. And that has not changed. I said that has not changed. That did not start with the last apostle uh, in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is still being written. We're on chapter 80,000 or whatever. I'm telling you. Does the church still exist? Is the Holy Spirit still in the church? In the air? The book of Acts still being written. Still being written. And he says to the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children. Everybody say no more children. No, that, that we, let me say it like this, that we not stay children. That we not remain children. And, and what's a, an indication that one is a spiritual child? Instability. Tossed. To and fro. Come on, can you see that? Tossed to and fro. Instability is a sign of, a, of not having grown up spiritually. Being a spiritual baby and a child. What else? Carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to, de to deceive. Children are easily fooled. Children are easily tricked. Children are gullible. Now this is just a fact. You know that in the natural that's true. Three-year-olds. Yeah. Are easy to fool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, they believe basically anything you tell them. Yeah. Yes. And they should be able to trust their parents and people around them. Which is why you must never, parents, are you listening? You must never tell them something that's not true. Even in the name of having fun. Huh? Do not tell them something. That is not true. Amen. Around Christmas time. <laughs> about Easter bunnies. Come on, y'all with me? I'm not, I'm not saying you can't have some fun, but they need to know this is not real. This is this is not real. Now we just we just having fun. You must say, well, you know, what's the problem with that? Well, soon they're gonna figure out you lied to them. It won't be long. And then you know what they're going to wonder next? What else did you lie to them about? Is Jesus real? Or is he like some of these other characters? But, back to the point, children are easily fooled. Easily tricked. And that's not God's will. 
What does he want? He went to great effort to call even before they were born and prepare gifts. Hallelujah. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What are they for? For the growing up. Come on, can you see this? For, for the development of believers. Development of the saints. That's everybody. That's not, that's not just for other ministry gifts. That's for everybody. Everybody. God wants every one of us to grow up and become stable, strong, so that things don't shake us, things don't move us, and to become, to have such a foundation in the Word of God and in the truth, not not just memorizing scriptures now, revelation of God, who He is, what He is, what His will is, knowing Him. That when uh, lies come your way, even when they're couched with scriptures, mm-hmm. yeah. you recognize yes, it. Sir. And you go, oh, no, no. Yes, uh-uh. I know that's a scripture, but it, it's in disagreement with these three scriptures over here. Yes, yeah. And it's just a wrong spirit. Yeah. Come on, y'all with me? Yeah. Because what he's talking about is not just... Uh, a worldly thing uh, that's easily recognized. What did he say? He said, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. These are things that are represented as Christian teachings. These are things that come from pulpits. These are things that come from people who call themselves ministers. And by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. This is not obvious stuff. And this is not stuff that babies will immediately recognize. They just don't have the perspective. They don't have the experience. Which is why, just like you need natural parents, you need spiritual like your pastor is talking about. Somebody that can can say, oh, no, hold on, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, but they use the verse. Yeah, but it's not right. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but they use three verses. I don't care if they use ten. It's wrong. And as a baby, you, you won't see that. And if you, if you want to yield to rebellion, you can think you know better. And you can jump ship. And you can go off with the new revelation. And sometimes be 10 years and a destroyed life before you figure it out. I'm not talking theory. I'm talking things I've seen. And as a pastor and as a minister, that's one of the toughest parts of the job. Is, uh, you know, and, and you can sum up the biggest problem in the world. Now, this is a big statement. The biggest problem in the world, two words, won't listen. (laughs) Really, Brother Keith? I'm telling you. Anything else, God can fix. Anything else. 
eat. I don't care how bad it is, how hard it is, how long it's been that way. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? But he won't make you listen. And he won't make you obey and he won't make you follow. And so if you get to the point where you won't listen, you're in a place where nobody can help you. So you want to be teachable. And you want to realize, let the Lord help you to realize where you are. Not just blindly following human beings. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about realizing you have not arrived. Hold your place here. Go to First Peter. Everybody okay? Hmm? Well, if you don't like the topic, I don't think I can change. I, <laughs> I believe this is what we've got. But this is good. I said, this is good. What? How many want to develop? How many want to become strong and stable? Where every little gust doesn't come along and blow you off your chair. Huh? How many want to be able to rightly divide the word of truth so that you can discern lies from truth and trickery and bad doctrine from good doctrine? That didn't come just because somebody prayed over you. That didn't come just because you've been a Christian for three weeks or even 30 years. Development is not automatic by reason of time. In 1 Peter, I was talking instead of turning. This platform looks like it works pretty good. I think you can preach from up here. It's working. Yeah. 1 Peter and uh, 2, second chapter. Well, actually, it, this begins in the first chapter of 123. 1 Peter 123 says, being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. Verse 25, the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know the psalmist said, oh taste and see that the Lord is good. He was referring to being born again. By the incorruptible seed of the word, being born again by hearing, believing, receiving, acting on the gospel. And when you're born again, just like in the natural, you are born, and for all practical purposes, a helpless baby. Babies in the natural are helpless. What do you mean by that? Oh, they can breathe on their own. But, you know, a few things, but, um, 
They got to be cared for. They got to be carried. They've got to be fed, right? Changed and dressed and seen to it that they're not too hot or too cold or the list goes on and on and on. They need a lot of help. <laughs> right? I'm giving you something right now that's one of the biggest things that will help you with discerning this truth. What about babies? They need tremendous help. What about mature ones that have grown up? They are able to help. Oh, I don't know if you heard that or not. That was worth you washing your face and coming out tonight. Right there. Huh? Said out loud, babies need help. Mature ones are help. They are help. Babies are not even aware of what you need. <laughs> As a mama or daddy or brother or sister, they are completely oblivious that anybody else in the world needs anything. And being oblivious, don't care. All they know is, I'm hot. I'm hot. Somebody do something about it. I'm hot. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Somebody make it stop. Make it stop. <laughs> make the hunger. Somebody's got to do something about this. <laughs> and if something doesn't happen pretty quick, what happens? <laughs> Why? They need help. What are they aware of? What they need. What they want. Their comfort, their desires. Huh? You give them something they don't like and you put it in their mouth. You're liable to get it all over you. <laughs> and with babies, they can't even talk yet. So you're never going to hear, I am so sorry, I just spit that all over you. I'm so sorry I made you late for work because you had to change my diaper again right before we left. That. I'm so sorry. No. They're not even aware that you have any needs. They can't care about your needs because they're not even aware that you have any needs. Now, we don't despise babies. No, not at all. Because they're babies. That's true. They need help. That's just how it is. You don't come into the world able to fend for yourself. Feed yourself, dress yourself. You don't come into the world like that. And see, that's what he's saying. As newborn. See, every word in the scriptures 
significant. Everywhere. As newborn. Because there's, I don't know, there's half a dozen words in the Greek for child. And they mean different things. They're talking about different levels of development. There is the child in the womb that hadn't even been born yet. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to note that uh, the Bible said in John, the, with John the Baptist, uh, when he, uh, he had, wasn't even born yet, and when his mother got around Mary, he was filled with the Holy Ghost inside the womb and jumped and leaped. Glory to God. But he's not aware that that was purely spiritual response. Not cognitive. Not yet. But then there are the little children that we're talking about. They're born, but they're newborn babes. And then there's the child. They still need a lot of care, but not as much as the, the infant you got to tote around. And then by the time they're six, seven, eight, nine, ten, they're actually capable of a lot more than many people think. And you do your child a harm and disservice to treat a ten-year-old like they're a five-year-old. You do them a great disservice by doing everything for them and, and you know... As soon as you see them beginning to have ability, start calling on it. Hmm? Yes, sir. And no, they will not be able to do it perfectly like you do after 40 years. No, you didn't start out that hot either. But you won't being a good leader. Uh, and I'm, I'm not just talking about natural. I'm talking about natural and spiritual at the same time. You gotta let uh, young ones. Make a mess sometime. Knowing they're going to make a mess. Knowing they're going to spill milk on the floor. But at some point they got to learn how to pour their own milk. Or their own juice. Hmm? And it can just be more convenient for you as a parent to keep doing it, to keep doing it, but you're hurting them. You're delaying their development. And what is pitiful? Is an 18 year old. They can't even make a decision for themselves. Because everything has been. Don't know how to wash a load of clothes. Much less iron anything. Don't know how to change a tire. Or just utterly panic. If they had a flat tire on the side of the road. Don't know how to call anybody. Don't know how to set anything in motion. Don't know. And the biggest thing is not just learning some natural knowledge. It's do they know how to pray? Do they know how to be led and hear from God? Because there will always be things you and I don't know. But if we'll listen. Oh, come on if you heard that or not. What's the biggest problem in the world? Won't listen. If you will listen, you can come out of anything. Even if you don't know one thing in the world about it, the Lord will show you, well, check with this, check on this, contact. Next thing you know, three steps later, you got what you need. But it started with you paying attention, listening to Him. And so both naturally and spiritually, if we're going to be good leaders, if we're going to be good parents, both naturally and spiritually, 
We wean our children off of us and onto the Holy Spirit as soon as we can. Why? Because soon and very soon, they'll have questions we can't answer. Soon and very soon, they'll have needs we can't meet. Come on, y'all listening? And you don't want to have this meltdown when it hits them. They're not prepared for the great, big, mean, ugly world. Because mom and daddy's done everything for them. And spiritually, is exactly the same. And the thing that can be... Uh, off-putting is that you can have a newborn spiritual baby in a 70-year-old body. And even though they might have three degrees and been successful in two different uh, professions, they're still spiritually a newborn baby and have yet to develop. How do you start your development? Read the verse again. First Peter 2. 1. What do he say? As newborn babes. Do what? Desire. Somebody say desire. What's our part? Well, just come to church and plop down. See if our leaders got anything. No. Your part is what? Desire. Another word for that is hunger. What what is the you need some cooperation even from a newborn? Right? Even from a nursing newborn. What do they need to do? They need to want the milk. And they need to receive the milk. If they don't, for whatever reasons, you got a critical situation. Is that right? They can't make it very long like that. And so they've got to have that natural desire. And they got to receive it. And they got to take the milk. And they got to keep it down. And if they'll do that. And kick their little legs and wave, wave their little hands and arms. And look around and goo-goo and gaga and let you take care of everything else for them. And then they want some more and, and take some more milk and then kick their little legs around some more and take some more milk. What will happen? Come on, what will happen? What will happen? They will grow. Everything will be fine. And they'll move from step one to step two to step three. Next thing you know, they'll be walking and talking. Next thing you know, they'll be, you know, got their alphabet and addition. And next thing you know, it's college time. This is how it works spiritually. And that hasn't been widely understood by the church at large. Uh, you see so much confusion about this. But the reason, uh, it, the way it is the way it is naturally, is because the natural came from the Spirit. And the natural is patterned after the Spirit. The Spirit was first. The natural came from there. God is Spirit. And it all came from Him. Now go back with me if you would. To our main text again, Ephesians 4. Are you okay? 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 4. We saw about the the ministry gifts. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And all of these bring a different supply. A different spiritual nutrition. And um, he said the result is, or the purpose of it, is for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now that, the, the word for that keeps appearing there is in the, in the text. And it denotes, like we said before, progression. Listen to these other translations and you'll hear it. This is something I did not know. I did not see nor understand, even though I had been in the ministry for 20 years. When the Lord directed us to start the church in Branson. Our Faith Life Church in Branson. We just celebrated this past Sunday, our celebration Sunday, 20 years as a church there. Praise God. And... uh, but I, Phyllis and I had been in the ministry, the traveling ministry, for 20 years prior to that. And we had never thought we would pastor. We respected it, but didn't think that was our call. Well, you can imagine, you know, after 20 years, you're used to doing that. We, we were, you know, we come home. In fact, we, the Lord helped us. We, we trusted Him for a better house and we got it. It's a whole, that's a whole testimony, but somebody came by. Well, actually, it was, uh, your parents. Jeremy, uh, uh, Brother George and Miss Terry came by to see our new house. They were in Tulsa doing something else and they came by. And uh, there were a few pictures, but they were on the floor, and there was boxes everywhere. And they said, well, did y'all just move in? He said, yeah, two years ago. (laughs) You think, what? well, we only came in, repacked, checked on stuff, and we're gone again. That was our life. That was great. We, but the Lord began to deal with us about, you know, eventually about starting that church in Branson, uh, and I, I just felt so ignorant about pastoring. And, of course, you've never done it. And that's a whole lot like being a parent, too, right? You, you've never done it. Wow. <laughs> right? How are you going to do it? Uh, well, and uh, I, I, I sought the Lord extra for during that time. And uh, we just started by faith. And I purpose, well, I'm not just going to uh, just duplicate what I see everybody do because I had learned that much. You need to be led by the Spirit. And every place is different and every group is different. I mean, the the basics are the same, but there are a lot of variables. And um, the Lord took me to this passage that I'm sharing with you tonight. It was the second Revelation he gave me for the church. We're only like two weeks into it. Because I'm saying, how do we do this? How do we have a church? Um, how's it supposed to function? How's it supposed to operate? I got friends, you know, that were great pastors in good churches, and and I want to learn from that. 
But I don't want to start just trying to duplicate them. I want to get from you the direction, and then you can show me any other thing that would benefit us. But i got to get the, the basic direction and the basic vision and plan from you. He took me to this passage right here. Ephesians 4. And this, this verse that we just got through reading, verse 12, is the, the reason why he gave the ministry gifts. Well, a pastor is one of those gifts. So if we're going to pastor these people, what's it supposed to look like? And what is the, how's it supposed to work? It's right here. What, what's the giving of the gift for? For the perfecting of the saints. Do the saints need perfecting? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what if you're lost? What do you need? You need to become a saint. You need to get born again. Right? But then once you're born again, what do you need? What are you born when you're born again? A newborn baby. And what do you need? You need a lot of help. <laughs> most, most of everything about what's coming next, you don't know yet. Like a newborn baby. And you need to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And that's the emphasis in this passage. What does every new believer need paramount right now? Help me out. You need to grow. I said you need to grow. Why? Because a newborn baby is ignorant, unstable, easy to trick and deceive, vulnerable. You can't just leave a baby laying out in the street. Or out in the yard. Right? You can't just leave it in this crib for a month. And without check, right? Now you're laughing, but these things have not been real enough to us spiritually. A, new, a newborn spiritually. They need a church family. Right now. Is that right? Right now. They need to get in. One of the saddest things about what has happened generation after generation is there will be great, not just here but all over the world, great evangelistic crusades and thousands will get saved. Sometimes hundreds of thousands will get saved. And it's so sad because sometimes even a few weeks and months later, those people just fade right back into the world. And never grow, never develop, never find their call and purpose and place because they never got into a family. They never started getting any substantial feeding. They never begin to grow. And you and me and us are so blessed that we didn't just fade back into the world and that was the end of it. That we're not, you know, backslid somewhere, oblivious to the things of God, not even realizing how far off we are and how much we need. You're here up in the church house tonight seeking some Word of God. You are blessed, brother. You are blessed, sister, compared to the billions on the planet that are clueless. Somebody lift a hand right now and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we've been fed. We've been cared for. We've been helped. 
And God's plan is that continues until you're able to handle solid food and more rigorous exercise until you become developed all the way into a fully mature spiritual being. And that's someone who doesn't just need help. That's someone who can help. Hallelujah. Who is help. Is help. Babies need help. Mature ones are help. Are help. Can help. Do help. Listen to these other translations of this. Can you stay with me just a little bit longer here? The Darby translation says, These ministry gifts are given for the perfecting of the saints with a view to the work of the ministry with a view to the edifying of the body of Christ. As I spent time praying about our church there in Branson, what it was supposed to look like, how it was supposed to function, the Lord brought me to this passage, this very verse, verse 12. And I'd read it, and then he'd say, read it again. And I'd read it, and he'd say, read it again. Read it again. This went on for weeks. Look in other translations. Look up the words. And I finally got it. The ministers were never supposed to do all the work of the ministry. That's been a major misstep and misconception of the church. And the Lord was directing me not to operate that way. With the thinking that Phyllis and myself and a handful of staff are supposed to do all the work of the ministry. That was never the plan of God. It can accomplish the plan of God. Because the plan of God is too big for a handful of people to accomplish it. And when I saw it, the Amplified helped me when I read it, that, that translation. Verse 12 says, His intention... This is the Amplified. Was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. That they should do the work of the ministering. Toward the building up of Christ's body. That it might develop until we all attain to the oneness in the faith. And it goes on. But... When you look at the words and you look at the phrases, that's what it's always said. The ministry gifts are not to accomplish all the work of the ministry. That could never happen. Far too great and vast. Only the church, the whole church, can do this. And he began to quicken to me mistakes I had seen. I've, I've seen, even at that time, and that was 20-some years ago, I've seen minister after minister what they call burn out. Just recently, 
it surprised me. Some ministers that were so successful announcing they're retiring from ministry. And they're not that old. I know why. I know why. Trying to do all the work of the ministry. All the counseling. All the visitation. All. And the Lord took me back. When I first started in the ministry, um, 40 some years ago, I knew the word minister literally means servant. And ministry literally means service. It'll help you if you'll start using that word. Just in your mind, Renew. Somebody say service. 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 Instead of ministry. Use that word for a while and it'll help you with mind renewal. Service. Because there's some stuff that goes along with the current concept of ministry Mm -hmm. that's not correct. Service. And uh, I... I understood I'm a servant to the people. And and so I tried to do everything that people asked me to do. Everybody that wanted to talk to me, I tried to talk to them. Everybody that wanted to counsel, I, I tried to make time to counsel. Everybody that wanted me to come visit them or their relatives or friends, I tried to do it and go and, and visit. And a couple of things really got my attention, though. I mean, as the months are going by, I'm getting fatigued. And I know one, one afternoon I was supposed to speak there at, at Raymond. And somebody had said it was urgent, they needed to talk to me, and, and so I, uh, I took time, and they just talked, talked for two hours, and I couldn't get a word in edgewise, and then I looked at my watch, and I've got like 15 minutes for I'm supposed to be over there speaking, and I said, I'm sorry, but I gotta go, and as I'm walking over, I just knew I didn't help them at all. And they didn't want to know anything I had to say. They wouldn't be quiet long enough to even ask anything. And now I am not in top condition to go minister to these people. I've I've let my ear be filled with all that stuff for the last two hours. And I'm feeling tired before I start. Something's wrong with this. What am I trying to do? All the work of the ministry. And uh, coupled with that, the, somebody said, would I please, please go visit this uh, relative, uh, Ken, I guess they were in-law of one of their relatives. And so I did. I went to the hospital and I'm coming down the, uh, you know, of course it, it takes you time, right? To, um, you gotta move something else aside. You gotta take time to clean up and get ready. You gotta drive over there. You gotta do everything. And if you wanna be any good at it, you wanna pray and use your faith and, Everything takes spiritual energy, and so I'm walking down the hall, you know, endeavoring to believe to help them, and I opened the door, and I said, hi, you know, I'm Keith Moore, and then they said, you're that preacher that my so-and-so, you know, likes to listen to? I said, yeah. They said, I don't believe, they said, I don't believe in all that blankety-blank stuff. You get out of here. I said, okay. And as I'm leaving, going down to the parking lot, I'm thinking, something's wrong. With this picture. Right? 
Why am I telling you this? Because a lot of good people, a lot of good men and women, pastors, traveling ministers, whatever, they endeavor to do this. They try to take every call. They try to spend time with everybody, pray with everybody, counsel with everybody, visit with everybody. And man, after 20 years of that, they want out. I'm telling you. If you don't think so, it's because you hadn't done it. It's just like you finally eat eat dinner and plop down in your chair for a minute and the phone rings. So you got to stay on the phone with them for three hours. Or you got to hurry up and go get dressed and go check on them. Or you got to do. People say, well, that's the job of the pastor. Says you. <laughs> it was never the plan. The best pastors, ministers, with the best staff. How many people could you do that for? With you and a staff of a half dozen. How many people? 3,000? No way. So you are resigned and limited to a small work. Because you think you have to do everything. And you will see, like I said, you'll see pastors and ministers' health deteriorate. Because you can't just push night and day and not rest. I don't care if you think you are doing the work of the Lord. You don't realize that you're doing a lot of stuff the Lord never told you to do. And you're not graced to do what He didn't tell you to do. And so if you're doing it in your own strength, you will run out sooner than later. And I've seen a number of ministers bitter. You know, why didn't God help me? You know, why, you know, I, I made my confessions and, and, and we did this and that and that condition just stayed and it just got worse and, and, and why wouldn't God help me? And, and many ministers have, have died young and died prematurely. Good people, good people, genuinely called, genuinely anointed. But operating under this this wrong concept that it's their job to respond to every request and try to do everything. No, friend, that completely ignores being led by the Spirit. And, and, you got a room full of people doing what? What are they doing? It's exactly like a mama and daddy that work long hours and got five grown kids and come finally make it in at six o'clock and daddy goes and, and fires up the lawnmower and cuts the grass with three grown boys. Sitting on the couch playing video games. That's not being a good daddy. I'm telling you, it's not being a good daddy. You're teaching them wrong. You're training them wrong. Well, it was hard when I grew up. I wanted to make things easier for them. Well, you're not. 
You're not making things easy for them. And they won't be happy if daddy checks out, dies 10 years early. They won't be happy about that. Mama comes in. She's bush. She's tired. Got, you know, two, you know, 14-year-old and a 12-year-old daughter. And they sit up in their room and, and do stuff on Facebook while she prepares supper, while she gets their dirty clothes, and while she does this. Wrong. 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 And it's not right for the pastors or the associate pastors to try to do everything. It can't be done. Even with your best efforts, you will be missing most of it and not reaching most of it. And in the process, you will wear yourself out. You'll break yourself down, compromise your immune system. And people get mad at God when things didn't work out. But the big thing was, they wouldn't listen to him. Because if they ever drew near to him and prayed and asked him about it, he would tell them, you quit that. You let that big kid do those things herself. You quit that. You let some of your people help you on that. Don't try to do all of this. What is the purpose of the ministry gifts according to the New Testament church? Are y'all with me? What are they? Come on, read it. What are they for? They are for to minister to you the things that will equip you. So you can do the work of the ministry. Now, if you don't believe that, don't, don't let it get away from you. Don't tell them, well, I don't know if I agree with Brother Keith or not. I'm talking about the Bible. And this is not just in one place. If you come back tomorrow and the next day, I'm going to give you more scriptures about it. This is numerous places. You will see this. Listen to this in these other translations. The, uh, the ESV says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The New American says for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. God's Word says their purpose, the ministry gifts, their purpose is to prepare God's people to serve and to build up the body of Christ. And that's where in our church ministry teams were born. And I didn't call them ministry teams, I call them service teams because that's the meaning of the word. And we need to not be thinking about, well, I'm a minister, I'm a preacher. No, all of us are supposed to render service. And most of this service is not going to be preaching and teaching. The gifts are anointed to do that to equip the saints. So they can do all the rest of the service. This was portrayed in the the examples and pattern that God gave to Moses and then also to David. Do you remember? There was Aaron and the priests. They had a job and a focus. And then there were the Levites. Anybody remember the Levites? The Le- What did the Levites do? Well, the priests 
They, they spent time seeking God. They spent time in the Word. They spent time praying for the people. They spent time presenting the sacrifices before God. What the Levites do? Everything else. Everything else. They cut the firewood. They hauled the water. They set up the tent. They tore the tent down. They loaded stuff. They unloaded stuff. Come on, you see what I'm talking about? All of that. Why? So that these folks could do what they were supposed to do. And in the book of Acts, do you remember when the church was getting bigger and they had started some outreaches to help feed people that didn't have enough? And then uh, finally the ministers came and said, look, we're not, we're not even able, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, we're not able to do what we need to do. It's not reason or reasonable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Look out some people. We'll set over this. What, is that, what are they going to do? They have been equipped now to do service. Can you see that? Believers are supposed to pray for each other, visit each other, help each other. Come on, can you see that? Believers. And it's the only thing that will fulfill you spiritually. You will never be fulfilled and you can't develop fully spiritually. Only coming, sitting, and listening. And in going home and doing your thing. You'll never develop spirit. You'll, you'll always be a baby. You're saved. When you die, you go to be with the Lord. But the Lord's intent was that every believer have a significant part. A contribution. Not just money. Uh, money's easier to give than time. Hmm? And if the Lord directs you to give time, money will not suffice. No matter how much you give, if He told you time, money ain't going to cover it. And old friend, we got, you know, a parking lot team, clean team, flower team, visitation team, hospitality team. I don't know, was it like 20, 30 teams? I'd have to look it up. Hundreds and hundreds of people working all the time in every place so that myself and our other ministers, we can focus on our part so that when they do their part and people are met with anointing when they drive in on the property, they come in, the bathrooms are clean, they come in, look around, everything's nice and, and ready to go. And when somebody gets a word from the Lord, not only did I have a part, they had a part. When somebody walks the aisle, it wasn't just me had a part, they had, come on, can you see that? And when the reward is given eternally, they will have a part. Everybody that did something to make that whole thing happen. Friend, you have grace. You have graces in you. And they are for the ministering and the serving of fellow believers. And when everybody... Go go to verse 16 in closing, I think. I sure hope you can come back tomorrow because we just introduced this basically. Verse 16. He said, well, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love may do what? Grow up. Grow up. Say it out loud. It is God's will. For every one of us to grow up. Grow up. 
that you to grow up into Him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effects of working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love that's King James it seems a bit obscure if you hadn't looked at it closely but he's already used this term earlier in the chapter about the edifying of the body and what what resulted in the edifying of the body the service of the saints how were they able to render that kind of body edifying service? The ministry gifts ministered to them and helped them get equipped. And what this is describing is the human body. How that a couple of parts can't do it, but all of the parts working in synchronicity, all of the parts working together can do amazing feats. You know, you've seen Olympic athletes. You've seen, I mean, the, you know, Olympic swimmers, divers, runners, shot putters didn't do that with one arm Amen. and not the rest of the body. They didn't do it with just their head. And what you've got in many churches, in many ministries, they are too head heavy. And way lacking in body activity. It's the head, the head, the head, the head, the pastors, and a handful, and a handful. And where's the body? Oh, they come sometimes, but then they just listen and go. And if we need somebody to do something, they don't have time. They're not available. They're too busy. There was a parable about that. Anybody remember there was a parable about that? A call, but we're too busy, not available. Friend, life is short. It is so, so short. You and I are going to look up in a few years. It'll be time to leave here and get out of here. And so much stuff that people are doing, it won't matter. Nobody will care. It'll be gone. It'll be forgotten about. But everything you did out of a heart of love... In faith, in response to the direction of the Spirit, endeavoring to minister to fellow believers, and endeavoring to help some kind of uh, thing work in the church or in some kind of ministry or outreach. Every single thing. I mean, even offering a cup of cold water. That's right. Yes, sir. That's right. Is that right or not? Even offering just a cup of cold water. What did the master say? The head of the church? They will no way lose their reward. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Stand on your feet, everybody.